Hello and welcome to the Shades Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate having to take a test as part of the job interview process. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate the hours preceding a night where you know you aren't going to get enough sleep. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that that has something to do with the play that you've yeah. been directing recently. <laughs> yes. Uh, so a couple days this week, I had to get up at 5 a.m. And so like the night before I knew I was not going to get enough sleep. And so just like having the knowledge, you're not going to get enough sleep and then trying to go to sleep. Those two things do not go together. So then you just wind up getting even less sleep because you're thinking about how little sleep you're going to get. Sure. I mean, not on that heavy of a note but i go through that all the time even if like if it's a small thing of instead of going to bed at 11 30 i'm gonna end up going to bed at midnight i i'm already thinking about oh those lost 30 minutes i'm not gonna be able to make it through the next day just because of those 30 minutes and instead it ruins my whole my entire night right <laughs> so what's up with but, the job interview thing <sighs> so like obviously i've been looking for a job for several weeks now I have some very good traction moving with a couple of different places, but now I'm like really late in the process where it's like they're down to just a couple candidates. They're looking to make a decision within the next week or two. And at one of the places, my next interview, I need to go in and I need to make a 10 minute presentation about a topic. And that topic needs to be related to my current job or what this job would be. And like, I'm not saying that it's not worthwhile. I get it because they're looking to make sure that, you know, I made it through all the rounds to make they, – they know I'm not an idiot. They know what I'm talking about. I have good experience. They know I fit with the team and I've met the team members. And now they just want to make sure that m- my job acumen actually meets the levels of what I and others have said my job acumen meets. So I right. understand it. But it doesn't make it any more annoying that I need to go in and do a bullshit presentation to get this job. It's just annoying. It's just annoying. I, I like. I. It's one of those things where, like, I get it, but I still wish that I didn't have to do it. Sure. Um, but I know I've heard from a lot of folks in like the sales industry and that work in sales at my company right now. They had to do ver- something very similar to get their jobs. But my thing there is like, but they're salespeople. That is a huge function of their job is making these presentations to people. That's right. not part of my job. So I guess it's like I don't even know to prove that I do have the interpersonal skills that I say I do, but you'd think my like 15 years of acting experience would be enough evidence of that. <laughs> I don't know. Want to make sure I, I can, I'm able to research and I write well, but I've given them writing samples. I don't know. It just seems like, I don't know. It's an annoying thing. And I know lots of jobs that hire writers make you do like a writing assignment first. And it, it is, it's one of those where like, I get the point of it, but I, it doesn't make it any less tedious to do. So that's sure. where I'm coming from. Um, so yeah, so so what else is going on with you other than the play? Or I guess let, let's talk about the play first because we've talked about it leading up a little bit. So how did everything go? Um, it went pretty well. Uh, opening night was a little shaky. We had a really small audience because it's a Thursday night. Um, and so the kids weren't getting all the feedback on their comedy, uh, like the jokes. Like right. people, there was chuckling and stuff in the audience, but... When you're talking about like 39 people in this huge auditorium, like the, the sound yeah. 
like they're not getting the feedback they need to like keep them energized and they were super nervous so they screwed up a few lines and skipped a couple things okay um the first night but then the second night friday night they did a really nice job it was a really solid performance we had like over 60 people in the audience so almost double the first night which was good um and like, the, they were laughing and like they were really feeding off of that energy that they mm-hmm. were getting from the crowd and so that was really good and then last night was the final performance, the Saturday night. Um, and, like, the weather was really bad. Uh, like, it was super windy and, like, raining really, really hard. So we only had, like, in the mid-50s of people there. So it was a little less than Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll probably, I would venture to say, like, a third of them had already seen the show because they're just, like, family okay. members of yeah. the kids. So they'd already seen it. So, like, they're not going to be laughing out loud. So... And the kids were—they were all in their own head about heads about it being the last show, and um, like their uh, Thanksgiving break had just started, so mm-hmm. like they're all probably thinking about that too. And we had had some arguments in the cast during the week, and my co-director and I—we tried to patch that stuff up, but I know some of the was still bothering a few of them. Um, and so I think they were just really in their heads about it, and so they were stumbling over probably like every twentieth line. They would stumble on something. Um, and, like, there's their timing between the lines. Like, it was just off. It was, like, everything was coming to them, like, a split second too late. Um, but uh, so they kind of – I went back there at intermission and talked to them, and they kind of shook it off and, and ended strong in the second act, which was good. Um, so they at least got to kind of you know, end in a way that they're happy with. Um, but, yeah, I think they, they did a nice job, and – it was my first time designing a set by myself, yeah. and um, the gentleman who used to help uh, Dick, he, um, his daughter has her own theater program up north, and so he's helping her now instead of uh, us, and so he did pop by and see the show, and I was like, you gotta, gotta give me some constructive criticism here, Dick, you gotta help me out, uh, and he did, he had a lot of nice things to say about the set, cool. and offered a couple suggestions which were helpful, Um yeah, I think overall, I think it went it went pretty well. I think people enjoyed it. It was a nice, quick, easy show to sit and watch. It was like just over an hour, and then oh, with, okay. a, with an intermission, you know, it was a little under an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I think people enjoyed it. What about you guys? Still do shows for the students and stuff? Yeah, we yeah um, we had some really good feedback from um, a lot of the staff that got to see it, and then you okay. know obviously the student body really enjoyed it because right. it didn't overstay its welcome. Like I could tell by the end of it, they were starting to like really lose their focus because mm-hmm. I mean, but managing to get a full hour of focus out of those <laughs> kids watching is is pretty good. So um, yeah, I, I think for for the most part, uh, most of the student body enjoyed it. Uh, those of them that weren't just sleeping the whole time, right? <laughs> There's always some bad eggs. There's nothing you can do about it. It is nice though yeah. if Bellbrook's anything like it was when I was there, which granted was over ten years ago. But mm-hmm. um, really, I mean, I started when I started school. It was fifteen years ago, and that's terrifying. But uh, because it's like a good school, it has a good academic background people or the kids tend to be more engaged than i would think like an average high school that you're gonna go and no one gives a shit at least like with the fall play because it's more of a comedy and then the spring musical like they're they're more invested in those types of things yeah so um but yeah so you had your 
your group of kids, your team, if you will. I also have my team currently playing my fantasy football team strong yeah right i'm trying to i'm trying to tie it together here (laughs) so i actually uh somebody reached out um listener of the podcast and was just like i know you said you weren't going to talk about your fantasy football team but i'm curious to know how they're doing so we're actually recording this on a sunday afternoon so all my guys are currently playing the only reason i bring it up now is because this week i'm playing my father in fantasy football and we played back in like week three or four of the season, so about two months ago, and I crushed him. And I'm currently <laughs> on the path to crush him again. Well, he didn't uh, even want to do fantasy football, did he? You kind of had to twist his arm into it. I didn't. Tw- I mean, yeah. Yeah, maybe I did. Because like, I, I asked him at the end, because this is my third year playing in kind of my quote-unquote family league. So it's my father-in-law, my brother-in-law. And then some like uh, some extended family members and some friends of his. And so we wanted to go from eight teams to ten this year. And uh, one of the guys that was going to join wasn't able to. And so basically like we had two empty spots. So I've been you know yanking my dad's arm to do it because him and I like football. Every year we do a pick winners between the two of us. Where like you know every week there are like you know thirteen to sixteen games, and we pick who we think is going to win each game, assign it a number value based on like how confident we are, and then you know each week you get points. And he typically beats me in those. And so I was like, well, hey, I'm good at fantasy football. You come do this with me. And he didn't want to because, like, he doesn't follow players. He knows the teams, obviously. He's been following football for a long time. But he doesn't think about the players the way that you do in fantasy football. Sure. Uh, But I was just like, hey, you know, I'm signing. You're doing it, period. So he's like, yeah, okay, fine. So I've been helping (laughs) him, like, figure out how to set his lineup. And as bye weeks come by where his his guy might not be playing, I'm trying to help him figure out how he needs to go and change it. So... He's currently five and five, so he's in the middle of the pack right now. He's on track to make the playoffs, which start in the week fourteen of the football season, which is in three weeks. So he's five and five. I'm eight and two. I'm in first place. I mean, I'm just no big deal. It's I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just good. What am I going to say? <laughs> but there's another guy in the league who's also eight and two, which is pretty rare for two teams to be so have such great records. But I beat him, and I've scored more total points than him. So right now I'm in first place, uh, and he's actually in third because it's two divisions. Anyway, I'm getting into the weeds more than I need to. But it'll be really interesting because the two, me and the other guy who's eight eight and two, we play in the final week of the regular season. So if we both win every remaining game the next two weeks, the winner of that game could potentially decide who's in first place and who's in third place going into the playoffs. So okay. I want to win. And so dad's five and five. I'm eight and two. We're playing this week. Dad right now has 54 points. He's projected to score 98 total points because some of his guys haven't played. The games are ongoing. I right now have 74 points. So I'm winning by 20. I'm projected to score 154. So I'm projected to beat him by like over 50 points, close to 60 (laughs) points. So it's not looking great for Pops, but um, who knows? You never know what's going to happen. So what's fun is we're recording this podcast as the games are happening. So we'll check in at the end and see what it looks like. I'm not going to look at my phone for the next two hours as we talk, and we'll come back to it at the end, and we'll see uh, who's on track to win this week. I'm guessing it's going to be me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and you get to rub his face in it next weekend when you see him. (laughs) So, yes. Uh, So kind of before we dive into what we've been playing and watching and whatnot, give me an update on the wedding planning. Anything new going on with you guys? 
Yeah, so I think we've actually Kara sitting next to me. Babe, we locked down the tent and the all that stuff that's locked in. Yeah, so we got this big canvas tent. Um, welcoming, real quick, welcoming special guest recorder, <laughs> Kara. Soon to be. Actually, I don't know if she's taking your last name or not. That's up to her. Uh, but uh, Yeah, she is because her last name's dope. So she's. Wait, I'm sure she'll take it. But that doesn't make sense. That sounds like a pretty awesome last name. Well, no, I, I said our last name, like as in oh, yours and mine. okay. I thought you said her last name is dope. And I was like, well, okay, well, then why would she want to change it? But yes, no, her last name is Freeman, dope. not dope. I know, no, I know. I meant her last name is dope, not literally her name is dope, but like as an adjective describing her name, it is yeah. dope. I mean, it's fine. Her last name's fine. It's not Castle fine. But it's fine. <laughs> Castle's pretty awesome. Although <laughs> Kelly and cool. Kelly complains, <laughs> Kelly complains because um, I took this little like online name test. I don't know what inspired me to do this, but I wanted to see like. Who else is named Shea Castle? And so it's based on, like, census data. And it said it's all still estimations, but it's fairly accurate based on, like, 2014 data in the U.S. And it said, we estimate that there are one or fewer people named Shea Castle in the United States. I was like, well, there's definitely one. (laughs) There isn't fewer (laughs) than one. But Kelly checked hers, and it was like... However, like 1,300 people named Kelly Castle, and she checked Kelly Brumbach, her maiden name now, just to see, and it was like 400. She, she was like, damn it, my name was cooler when it was Kelly Brumbach than when it was Kelly <laughs> Castle. exclusive. But of, of course, I felt, I felt super badass that I'm potentially the only Shea Castle in the United States. <laughs> and if there's another one, it's probably a girl anyway, so. That's true. Uh, um, so yeah, tell me what, what's going on with the wedding stuff. Yeah, so we've got the, the tent, and then that comes with, like, the head tables and chairs and all the other tables and chairs, and then the dance floor and stuff. That's all included. And, like, some heaters if we need them and all that. Um, but, yeah, so it's, like, this big, you know, pavilion-style canvas tent um, mm-hmm. that uh, we'll be using to uh, have the reception in. Um, and, like, they come and they set everything up, and then they come and they take everything down, too, as, as a part of the package deal, which is nice. So, I think, I guess that stuff's kind of locked in now, and I finally got, this is the most exciting part, I finally got mm-hmm. the last piece of my armor, my helmet that was on back order. I got it in. Oh, yeah. I, sh- I showed it to you when, uh, when we started our call, and it looks pretty awesome. Although That is um, dope. It is, yeah, that is dope. Because <laughs> um, I got an arming cap with my um, with all, all my big order of armor and stuff to kind of protect my head from the helmet. But it's actually padded really well inside. And it's a good thing it is because um, the arming cap does not fit on my head underneath the helmet. Because <laughs> okay. I have a fat head, so. Right. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I have the full set now, which is pretty cool. Have you, have you put the whole ensemble on? Uh, not with the helmet. I, I haven't put it okay. all on since the like second day I, I had it because it's sure. such a process. And like it's because it's all covered in grease to keep it from rusting. And like my hands are – I just touched the helmet. So like my hands mm-hmm. are all – ugh. I don't mm-hmm. like that feeling. Well, and you have to be um, careful and like wipe it down after. It's because your hands – like the grease on your hands and the oils and stuff is bad for the metal. Right. Um, so yeah, I got, I got that and we're, <laughs> we're one step closer. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, this is also pretty exciting. 
Um, Kara and I, because uh, we've been wanting to kind of play the Switch more in like docked mode, um, especially like when we have people over, we want to be able to have people play like Switch stuff. Um, so we got, we found these wired controllers on Amazon. I forget what company they're by. Um, cause there is, um, like officially Nintendo licensed third party stuff, which sounds okay. anachronistic, but like they farmed out some cheaper accessory right. options. Um, but they are officially Nintendo like certified, I guess I should say. Um, and it's Hori or I think, yeah, Hori H O R I. Um, and they make some nice stuff, but these are not them. These, these are another company, but, um, I got a red one that has like a bunch of like Mario decal stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're basically just pro controllers, but they're wired and the switch only has, uh, has three, has two USBs on the side. And I think one in the back, uh, on the dock. So you can only really use a maximum of two or three wired controllers at a time. But, uh, so I got one and Kara got one. Kara's is like a, a Zelda one and it has, uh, yeah, it's breath of the wild one and it has a gold D pad, which looks really cool. Mm. But uh, obviously the listeners can't see it, but I'll hold my red one up for you. <laughs> so for little, me. So yeah, yeah it, it has a lot of the Mario icons. So, you know, there's the fire flower stars, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Kind of, it looks and, almost engraved on the controller. Yeah. And it's got that, um, it's that plastic that feels like a halfway between plastic and rubber, you know, that like soft kind of velvety feeling plastic. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. It's that all over. So it, it it's feels not pretty good. Slick. There's no. like a little bit of resistance on it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it came with three different types of analog stick replacements. Um, hmm. So there's convex, concave, and flat. I have the mm-hmm. concave ones in because I like the way how like that my my thumbs like sink into them. Right. I feel like I have more control. Um, the buttons feel really good. Uh, it doesn't feel super cheap. I would say that the triggers are the only thing that I might have a complaint about. Again, I haven't like used it practically yet, but. Um, because it feels like it looks like they should go in a lot farther than they do um, mm-hmm. when you actually press them. So mm-hmm. like that's maybe like the only issue I might have with it. But um, the different like these were only thirty dollars, and an actual pro controller for the Switch. I mean, it's wireless, but an actual pro controller for the Switch is like seventy dollars. Right. Um, so I was gonna like I was gonna ask like, is that the reason why you guys got these? Is just because of the the price? Yeah, and but they also don't have the total feature set. Like again, they're wired, not wireless, but they come with ten foot USB cords, which is okay. more than long enough. Um, they don't have the amiibo functionality that the Pro Controller has. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the like three D or four D Rumble or whatever Nintendo's calling it, um, and uh, they don't have the motion controls for them. So they, they don't have those kind of like three key Nintendo feature sets. But like if I was using a pro controller, I would not want to use the motion controls. Like I don't care about sure. that. And I would rarely ever be tapping an amiibo while playing a game. Like I just <laughs> like that that is so f- few and far between in terms yeah. of like frequency in which I would need to use that. That is like whatever. Um and the rumble isn't a huge deal to me either. So, um, 30 bucks. I highly recommend them. They're, yeah, what are they? They're not, um, oh, yeah, doesn't the say it. They don't have like power a, a. Yeah. yeah, power a, 
Um, I forget who was selling them. Um, yeah, I forget who was selling them on Amazon, but they're Power A brand. Um, and this one does say Nintendo licensed by Nintendo. I think that's just sure. because of the decals on it. I think okay. the Mario decals on it, mm-hmm. I would assume. Um, but these but are yeah, like the Nintendo cool. endorsed brand. No, Hori is the Nintendo endorsed brand. Oh, these are not those. Okay. Okay. This is Power A. Okay. So I think the only reason on the little back sticker it says licensed by Nintendo, I think is because it's, is because the, it's the actually work. licensed. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and apparently these work like as a game pad for PC or whatever because it's just mini USB to USB. Right. So these work as a regular game pad for PC as well. You guys um, haven't used them yet? Not yet. I ordered Skyrim for the Switch, and it should be here on mm-hmm. Tuesday, and I will play it docked uh, with this controller to kind of test it out a bit. But we mainly got these for, like, if people come over and want to play Mario Kart, any kind right. of party games, we have that option. And they're significantly cheaper than buying extra Joy-Cons. Because the extra Joy-Cons are, like, 80 bucks or $70. Yeah. Bucks. yeah. Um, so it's a, a cheaper option to be able to kind of play in a party setting where you know complete feature sets aren't really that important right um, yeah i need yeah. to think about that because i like uh, kelly and i've talked like on and off about because i really want to buy a switch and unfortunately they're not really doing any black friday deals in, in a significant way to make it worthwhile so right. i think i'm still going to try to get one after christmas you know with any christmas money that i get sure and i hadn't factored in the fact that their peripheral stuff is so fucking expensive it's very expensive and plus there are like, yeah. you know, I, I want to get Zelda, I want to get Mario, I want to get Mario and Rabbids, and then I also want to get Mario Kart, because Kelly will play that with me. Like, she's super excited to play some Mario Kart, but I gotta, we gotta get a second controller if we want to do that, and right. I don't know that I want to go buy another, you know, $70 Pro Controller, or even worse, additional Joy-Cons and stuff, so, it's so stupid. Ugh, it's annoying. Yeah, and, Other like, crap's you're, way you're gonna need to drop money on a micro SD card. Which I mean, you can get like a hundred and twenty-eight gig micro SD card, like we did, for like thirty bucks. What's the stock? Bucks. It what's the stock? It's only like thirty-two, 32 gigs, gigs or something, yeah, if that. And like eight of that's taken up with system memory or something crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't have those big installs that you know other no, games have. No, I mean not if you're buying the carts. Um, right. Uh, if you're doing digital, yeah, but you know, if- that's that's different. Well, and I definitely wouldn't be, but I would want to get some of the, like, whatever they call it, the Nintendo, like, I would want to get some uh, SNES games and that kind of thing. What do they call it? Their digital store? Uh, the eShop. Whatever that's called. Sure, eShop. It's called something else. Like, it's Nintendo blank, but it doesn't matter. Classics? Sure, Maybe yes. Something? Nintendo I Classics. I don't remember either. That's what it is. Um, and there's so, rumors that they're going to be bringing, like, N64 games and stuff to that yeah i've seen that as well uh i would assume that they will do that at some point i mean they're bringing everything else over so right. um i mean isn't there already some gamecube stuff no i don't think uh, so okay um so yeah so uh speaking of the switch have you been doing anything on switch what, what you've been playing uh kara's been playing a ton of stardew valley she's on summer of year two now and she's only been like hardcore playing it for like a week so far um so she's been playing that on the switch which means i have not been playing anything on the switch (laughs) um 
So I've been playing more Fallout 4 modded. I did the Nuka World yeah. DLC, and I finally I beat it today. And I'm level 66 or 67 now mm-hmm. <laughs> in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm way up there. Did you play and the Nuka World on console, or was this your first time I playing I did, but it? I never beat it. Um, okay. So this is my first time beating it, and because like you have to find all the star cores, and then you yes. go to this thing and plug them all in, and then you get the Nuka Cola Quantum power armor, which right. looks fucking cool. Yeah. Um, and so I did get all the star cores, and I got that today. Um, I also I, got I the love Nuka Cola that DLC. Armor. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I at least like to start with the different factions and stuff, and really I liked exploring the different areas of the park. I thought those were all really well realized. The like post, I guess you would call it post credits of the Nuka World, I didn't like because I was playing like a good guy character that I could justify the Nuka World stuff as like I'm trying to infiltrate it to shut it down. But then afterwards, like the only continuation of it is set up raider outposts and like take over your settlements and make them into raider settlements. And I didn't want to do that with my character. So it like, I don't know. I feel like I didn't get as much out of the post game as someone else might, if they were playing a bad dude. Well, okay. So, um, my first time through, I like, I sided with, I was trying to keep all three of the factions happy and not siding mm-hmm. with a specific one. And right. then I, I didn't go back to it cause I was on console. But so this time, um, I have this weapon, and it's a machine gun, and all of the bullets explode mm-hmm. uh, and do additional area of effect damage, and I have, like, three billion shots with it. <laughs> um, so I-, I was in the market area of Nuka World, and I talked to some person, and they're like, yeah, could you just, like, kill all these guys and, like, set all of us, like, <laughs> slaves free? That'd be great. Thanks. Right. And I started this quest, like, kill these people. So I used the machine gun and I murdered every person <laughs> in Nuka World, and it mm-hmm. like it was because uh, I, I looked up a guide to kind of see like what would happen if I actually did it, um, if I went through with it, and it and it the number feels right. It said there's like over a hundred and twenty like raiders of different factions and stuff, and like yeah. in, including like the bosses that you have to kill, and that felt about right. Right, <laughs> because I definitely killed over a hundred people. Because <laughs> um, like I killed Porter Gage or whatever first, the dude that's like helping you out, and then I I have my I had that machine gun, so I just stood at the top of the the whatever the player home that you get. Um, sure, and they just like kept pouring in at me, and I was just mowing them down <laughs> with my explosive machine gun. Right. It was it was a good feeling. It was pretty good. So I did. Did you, that. did you explore? Did you explore the outside area, like outside of the park in the like wilderness and stuff? Yeah, I've done more of that. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed that there wasn't more there. Like it was a lot of open space, and the enemies that are out there are fucking tough too. Yeah, they're really like the hard. little. The, the um, I get like the grass harp. Yeah, those yeah. were pains in the ass. They're so fast. Well, so there was those one like actually they get a they give you a lot of XP for beating them because they're really tough. Yeah. But B if you cook their meat, it heals two hundred and fifty health. Which is, like, ah. one of the biggest heals you can get from cooking. Nice. See, so. I never really played around with that because I ended up with so many stim packs. I have, like, 600 stim packs in my I game. I just do it for the XP. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think I ended and I was, like, level 68 or something. And I, I, at least on PS4, I haven't even touched Far Harbor yet. I need to go okay. back and do that. But That's my um, next stop. 
I need to make sure I turn my mods off before I try to do that because I want to get those trophos. But oh. in the Nuka world, there's this uh, like haunted house area. Did you go through that? Haunted house area. It's like it's like a guided tour of some haunted house, but it's all broken, and so you get to the end and you're trying to like figure it out. It's just one of those like little ambient things that you find that kind of has a story that you piece together. Okay. Anyway, that that it was I really enjoyed that. There's a lot of that in the vanilla game, but I feel like there wasn't as much ambient storytelling as maybe in previous Fallout games, but this I thought was a really good example. So, if yeah. you are going back to the Nuka World area, look for the haunted house. There's like a there's a handy or not a handy bot, but it's um one of the like secure security bots. I don't remember what they're called, but he like you have to uh, buy tickets from him, and he doesn't have any to sell you. And so like if you sneak around behind him, there's just a bunch of them on the ground, and so you can just pick up a ticket <laughs> and give it to him to go in. Nice. So, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, uh. So well, yeah. What else? Yeah, I did that. Um, I did. Unturned has been getting a lot of updates. Um, so I played some more of that last couple days and I'm up to 490 hours played and unturned. Yeah, man. Get, you gotta get up that to a big thousand. Five, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to focus on the 500 first and then maybe sure. I'll, I'll set my sights on a thousand. Well, cause they've added a bunch of stuff. Like they added, um, uh, cause for a while there you like putting buildables on vehicles was possible. It was just really difficult and like collision was bad and like the use of it actually using them was kind of like weird um but they added because uh, there have been trains in the game for a while but none of them work and so he added a drivable train on the russia map and you it has just three empty cars uh like the flatbeds attached mm-hmm. to it so you can like build a base on the train and then drive it across it basically bisects the map uh kind of corner to corner and you can just drive it from wherever to wherever and then hop on like stop it wherever you want and then hop into a town loot it run back to your tr- your train base and then mm-hmm. and then kind of keep going um so that that's pretty sweet that's what i've been messing around with i've been trying to make a base on there um they added uh, it's a bunch of small tweaks and stuff, some guns and some new objects and items that have different like communication functionalities and, and different ways to play the game. Um, but he's working on this huge update right now. It's a gameplay overhaul that's like completely different animations and like um, uh, more involved gun animations. Like okay, uh, so right now like you fire a machine gun and like. You get the muzzle flash and the jump and stuff, but the gun itself doesn't animate. And so he's adding, like, the chamber moving and then, like, bullet shells uh, flying out the side and then, like, tinkling as they hit the ground and, like, populating on the ground and stuff. So he's adding things like that. Also, just tweaking the animations and adding... Um, it seems like he's has a new graphics engine, almost, or a new, a new lighting engine or something in some of the clips he's shown. Um... But yeah, it's I don't know. It it, se- it also seems like he's added a lot of quality of life things. Like um, there's a UI thing that I think he just ripped the idea straight from PUBG, um, <laughs> because you could hotkey items before, but you couldn't see what the item hotkey was unless you like went into your inventory and then you could see what it was hotkey right. to. But now it's like a little display on the bottom and it looks shows very PUBG like. Yeah, okay. it shows your hotkey and the item there, which is helpful. 
Um, a bunch of just still he's still plugging away at small yeah, quality that's, life that's interesting to me are there are there microtransactions in the game yeah it's all cosmetics gotcha uh, okay it, yeah we've talked about and, that i was wondering yeah. like what's keeping him going about this but there right. must be still strong enough player base that are buying those cosmetics to yeah. kind of keep the development to make sense for that's sure cool, and, i mean he does community sourced skins too and there are gotcha. like community sourced boxes specifically that you can get as random drops or you can just buy um yeah i don't know he's he's still going strong man it sounds like there are plenty other people like you that are putting 400 plus hours into that game for sure if it's yeah because that game's been out for several years at this point now yeah and i mean i've probably spent like i don't know 25 bucks on Mm -hmm. cosmetic boxes and keys to open them and stuff like that I probably yeah probably over the course of 490 hours I've spent 25 bucks because the game was I bought the gold edition or whatever because it's mm-hmm. free to play but you can buy the right. gold edition which gives you like a couple of gold skins um, and it's just like a way to support him so I did that initially and then yeah so I probably only spent like 30 bucks on the game total nice. it's just you know I don't mind dropping a couple bucks here or there to make sure he gets to keep going with it you know yeah it's like a tip jar. Yeah. Like, if he's going to keep supporting it and you're still enjoying that content, tossing a couple bucks. I know that's how it was. I mean, the only game that I've gotten super hardcore into in any capacity like that was Mass Effect 3 multiplayer that I was yeah. still playing for years and years. Where, like, you know, they released all that DLC for free for that, for the multiplayer. And so every right. time it came out, I'd buy a couple of loot boxes as, like, a tip jar. Like, hey, here's five bucks as a thanks for doing this free stuff. Right. And right. none of it was like vital to spend money on, but you know, it, it's, it's nice. Bless you, Kara. <laughs> Kara sneezed. <laughs> I, that, my editing will probably take that out, but now you all know peek behind okay. the curtain. Well, then now I'm going to ignore anything she says in just in case people can't hear it. And so that like, Oh, I do if, that anyways. If, if she says something and people can hear it, we're going to sound like the biggest dicks that we're just completely ignoring <laughs> what she's saying. <laughs> um, so I guess on my side, still plugging away at, you know, popping in destiny Two every Saturday morning to play for an hour and make sure I get all my rewards from the hard work. My client mates are doing that. I'm not <laughs> contributing to, right. um, I actually, I also beat, I played now the second and third episodes of Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. Okay. Um, It's still, like, I'm not enjoying it. (laughs) I'm just kind of doing it uh, because, you know, I paid for it and there's a platinum trophy waiting for me at the end. So I (laughs) I will beat episodes four and five before the end of the year. At least I'm going to try. Nothing really to add from what I had said about the first episode, however many, you know, recordings ago. It's, it's. The humor just doesn't really work. It's still buggy as hell. Um, there's some smart writing between the characters, but it's just not executed pretend, like perfectly well. And uh, there's very little actual gameplay. I will say that in the action sequences, because there are more, there's more action in this than most of the other Telltale games I've played. Because like I haven't played Batman. I'm sure there's a fair amount in that one, but. Uh, you're not like doing much during the action, like where they're punching and shooting and jumping and kind of flying all over the place. It's all just quick time event stuff, but right. it does feel like active at least. Um, okay. So whenever those kinds of things happens, I, I'm, I feel more involved. They did a decent um, job with that in the Batman game too. Of, okay, that's good. Again, I still it's all quick play time that. event stuff, but they they make yeah. it feel like you're doing something. That's good. I remember in. 
Walking Dead, like their first big one, those sequences were way the worst. Like where you had to yeah. shoot zombies and stuff. Like those, those were really horribly designed. <laughs> yes. Um, beyond that, like there's not a ton of new stuff. I, I'm still plugging away at South Park as well. There's one I was I've been thinking about this of like because I've talked about now South Park in a couple episodes. It's like you know I may have finished it by the next time we talk, and so I can talk about the ending and some kind of final thoughts. But like, what new can I talk about with South Park? And one of the things that I've really noticed because now I'm definitely in the late game. I can tell from the trophies that I'm unlocking feel okay. like late game trophies, but um. It's making me realize, and I complained about this a bit last episode, but early on there just aren't that many side missions. Like there are little tiny things that you can do, but they're mostly like not even fetch quests, but it's – I guess really it is kind of fetch quests of like Big Gay Al, his cats ran away. And so it's like, hey, find my six cats. And that's the side quest. And there's no okay. meaningful reward even. A lot of them give you costumes, which is fun. I like playing dress-up in that game. But the, the game isn't deep enough as an RPG. And there isn't enough external storytelling to make any of those really mean a lot. Um, but I'm there are, there are more that are happening now in the later game. Where they're not so much side quests, but it's kind of branching storylines that all converge at the end so like i mean the main the main story of the game it starts like your quest is to find a missing cat named scrambles so that you can get a hundred dollar reward and so like you're with cartman's coon and friends superhero group and you're trying to find the cat meanwhile there's actual real life shit happening with um like, the, this crime syndicate is selling drugs, which is, like, the cheesing. If you saw the episode where people are sniffing cat piss and getting yes. high off of it. there It's that kind of thing. And then there's, like, other manipulations happening with the government and that sort of thing. Where it's this larger story that, you know, since you're a kid, you're not really involved in. And a lot of those kind of come to a head now that I'm in the late game. Because there's this fantastic quest line where you basically confront butters as professor chaos and that's butters is one of my favorite south park characters (laughs) and i love professor chaos as well and so it's a really cool um kind of a like a shop of horrors uh i don't even know how to describe it but you you're you're at the same storage place where you fought al gore in the first game okay kind of butters takes over it as professor chaos because he won twenty thousand dollars or not one but like they um this crime syndicate gave him twenty thousand dollars to try to distract the people of south park (laughs) this game is fucking absurd i'll tell you that much and he the way he's doing it like it's all in universe for the superheroes and one of the ways they gate progress of like you can't go to this area area yet is red legos and so the red legos signify lava and so you can't cross the lava Sure. And eventually you get a power that lets you blow the Legos away and get rid of the lava. But but Professor Chaos's plan is to coat the entire town of South Park in red Legos <laughs> to like bury everyone in lava. And so because he had 20 grand, he hired a bunch of like dump trucks and a bunch of immigrant workers to oh, go shovel red Legos into these trucks. So you have all these like Mexican dudes that are wearing tinfoil Professor Chaos hats, Uh. like shoveling Legos, and your characters are up at the top and they're looking at it. It's this really dramatic, like sweeping shot, this music, and Cartman's like, My God, he's going to coat the town in lava. And it's just, it's it's super fucking good. The game is fun. Uh, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I need to play it so Uh, bad. Definitely recommend it. 
Um, but I did want to talk about a couple of the like fetch quest side quests as well because even though that from an actual gameplay perspective they're not particularly interesting, it the, the, they inject the funny shtick of South Park to make them engaging. Okay. So there's one where you go to the uh, the police headquarters a lot because they're kind of embroiled in this gang or um, mob thing, but also you do some side quests for them which all involve fighting and arresting innocent black men because that the main detective cop is like this crazy racist. Uh, and so you go there and you interview their kind of, um, their interview guy that goes and sits with all the criminals and like, you know, berates them. In, uh, what's, what's the word? Interrogator. You, interrogator. Thank you. So you go and talk to him, but he's like this bright, cheerful, fun guy. Uh-huh. And he's also an actor. And so he wants you to take his headshots and spread them around South Park. And so that's one of the, the side quests. There's another one with um, Craig's dad because Craig and Tweak, I think in, in South Park, quote unquote, canon, they're gay and they're dating now. I didn't know about what? this, but I'm assuming from the game that Craig and Tweak are boyfriends which okay. like, hey, more power to him. <laughs> sure. But uh, in the superhero <laughs> world, Craig is Super Craig and Tweak is Wonder Tweak, and so they're kind of like fighting. They're both they're both aligned with different superhero groups, and they're mad at each other, and they they like broken up. And so part of one of the side quests is like you help get them into counseling and help work out the relationship <laughs> and that kind okay. of thing. But uh, and of course it's with. Uh, uh, Professor Mackey, and so he's like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk to our problems, okay?" But uh, when you talk to Craig's dad, apparently he has an anime fetish, and so he uh. wants you to go and find these like chibi anime drawing posters and bring them back to him. Well, when you find the first one, you discover that those anime drawings are of Craig and Tweak. Oh, no. Like, doing gross... Of them, like, kissing, and there's one of, like, like, Tweak's laying in bed naked with the covers over, and Craig's, like, looking all mysterious. It's so fucked up! But I have a good laugh every time I find one of those, because they're, like, it's different kinds of anime styles, and you would, I'm sure, get more out of it than I do, because I don't know anything about anime, but... So, like, I guess, point being, there aren't that many deep side quests in this game because it is a fairly shallow rpg but for me like the humor and the style of south park makes doing those things worthwhile because the rewards certainly aren't worthwhile but um i think i'm getting close to the end so maybe next episode i will have finished so i can kind of talk about the whole thing as a complete package but still having a great time with that game uh i guess finally on the games front we should talk some more about call of duty world war ii because we've played more of this So, I beat the single player. I don't really have anything to add that we didn't already talk about. It's fairly by the numbers. Um, The fact that it was World War II, in a weird way, feels fresh from all the, like, modern and futuristic shooters. But, I mean, if you've played Call of Duty 3, it's the same game, just prettier. Yeah. Uh, What do you think about that? Um, What do you think about that last mission? What's the last mission? Oh, with the... Yes, I mean, how I don't know, man. Terrible surface level. Yes, did not. Earn oh yeah, the I did want to talk about that? another piece of it because I mean, not not to spoil the actual story of it, but the internment camps are involved in the story of Call of Duty World War Two. Won't go into like the details of it, but uh, you visit a torture camp at one point, and yes, it is. They have nothing to say. Like right. the makers of this game, they have. Other than, like, Nazis are bad, 
torturing people is bad. There's no statement that they're trying to make or any right. topic they're trying to level. It's just very surface. There's another part, too, with a character that comes in. And I guess this is kind of like mild spoilers. But there's a new character that comes in to help you guys in the late game who's black. And one of your right. like buddy characters has a really negative reaction to a black guy coming helping in their platoon. Because, you know, it's early 40s. It's... 25 years before the civil rights act was even passed and so there's like he makes a racist comment he doesn't use the n-word or anything but like he's a little bit racist towards this dude and that's it that scene happens and that's really the only the only acknowledgement at all about that problem at the end of the game that racist dude comes up to the black guy and he's like yeah you're all right in my book and they shake hands and it's like okay we solved racism by killing Germans. <laughs> it's like, it's so, they again, they just have nothing to say. Yeah. It feels completely shoehorned in yeah. to try to like, I don't even know. It's pretty bad. Pretty poorly handled. That was um, lame. Yes. Uh, we played some more of the multiplayer together. I'm probably not going to play any more of the multiplayer, if I'm being honest. It's just <laughs> not fun for me. I don't enjoy the raging and being mad about the connections and... It still seems pretty broken and buggy a lot of the times, and spawns are really bad. I don't know. I'm I I would much rather be doing most other things than playing Call of Duty multiplayer. Sure. And so, if you and I were going to play something, I would want it to be zombies because we played some zombies, and it was actually pretty cool. It was interesting. I haven't played a zombies mode since like World at War. Same. So, I don't know. I thought it was interesting, like, all the... It it was cool to see, like, where Zombies has gone in the past, Mm -hmm. I don't know, eight or nine years, I guess. Maybe ten years. Um, And that that was at least interesting. But, I I don't know, like, it's just kind of directionless, and it's very trial and error. Um, But I don't know, I guess we, we got a decent way through it i feel i mean it seemed like we got pretty far in terms of like the objectives and we were on what like wave 23 or 24 so we were pretty far along in that capacity as well and we just kind of you're right it was a lot of trial and error because we only played through one round and it was our first time obviously yeah and so we were very confused as to what we were supposed to do which is on purpose i guess um but yeah i mean for me it was more like it was at least fun to run around and shoot the zombies and have have it be co-op multiplayer versus competitive sure. multiplayer. Yeah. That's more yeah. what I got out of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So, I guess beyond some video games, I've been watching some stuff that I can run through real quick. So, I finished The Leftovers and I finished Vice Principals. So, I guess Vice Principals first because it was just two seasons I mean, it's just a good show. It's an easy comedy show to watch. I, I'm still confused why they tried to make it a little more dramatic at times and make me care about the characters because I certainly didn't. <laughs> um, but it ends in a really fucking crazy fashion. The t- final two episodes are really cool because the whole thing, like, at the end of season one, I mean, it's a, this is a spoiler for Vice Principals <laughs> for a comedy show. But um, the main character, Jenny McBride's character, gets shot. And so he survives, obviously, going into season two. And so he's trying to figure out who shot him. And he's working with Walton Goggins' character to figure this out. There's a big thing that happens. And there's always sort of this, like, everybody's trying to tell Danny McBride that 
Walton Goggins is the one that shot you. He wants to be the principal. He's trying to get you out of the way. But, you know, Danny McBride's like, no, dude, I don't believe that. We're best buds, etc. And so, like, this bunch of dramatic stuff happens towards the end. And then the shooter's revealed. And obviously, it's like this big kind of intense moment that actually is pretty effective from a dramatic perspective. And then the finale is like confronting that person and taking them down. And it's fucking insane. <laughs> the show's were like, even if you watch the first season and you're like, eh, keep watching. It's only like eight episodes in season two. It's worth finishing because the finale is bonkers. Is that uh, on Hulu? No. Well, um, I doubt it because it's HBO. So, I mean, we watch it on, uh, or I watch HBO it on HBO go, now. Yeah. Uh, or now um, or whatever, I don't yeah. think you can get those anywhere else. But uh, okay. Leftovers as well was HBO, and Kelly and I finished that. I wish I could say that that ended with a bang, but it was definitely more of a whimper. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you've seen if you've seen Lost, it's the same shit. It's like Bummer. this really promising concept with interesting characters in the first season. They set up some cool stuff. They don't know And then it just completely it falls off the rails. Yeah, I mean, it's like... After the first two episodes of the third season, we looked at each other and we were like, well, I don't want to watch this anymore, but we have to see it through. I mean, the best thing I'll say about it is that whereas Lost, you got the, the first two seasons, which were really good, and then like seven terrible seasons. This one, it's at least two good seasons and only one bad season. <laughs> okay. So that's like the silver lining of the whole well, situation. So far. The, <laughs> well, no, it's done. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, it was done. The third season was the final season. Um, the like, we had a good laugh because you know HBO now they have the descriptions of each episode, and in the for the finale, it was like paraphrased, but it was basically like nothing happens, everything happens, and then it ends. That was the description for the series finale of The Leftovers, and I gotta say, it was pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's a yeah. Bummer. Definitely a bummer, but uh, hopefully you've been watching some stuff that is cool. Yeah, um, so I wanted to watch The Sinner because I had seen a lot of really good stuff on that on social media. Because people were like, yeah, I binge-watched Sinner, blah, blah, blah. And then like I was trying to find it on Netflix and I couldn't. And so I, I actually <sighs> I got on a live <laughs> chat with mm-hmm. a Netflix help person. And I was like, hey, okay. so I'm having trouble like finding the sinners on Netflix. And they did confirm to me that I got pulled for licensing reasons. Um hmm. which was which is strange. I don't know, maybe they like maybe they 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 needed to renegotiate a contract or something. Um Is this a Netflix original show? No. Weird. Um so USA? Mm-hmm. It's a USA show, I think. Okay. Um but yeah, so I wanted to watch that, and obviously I could not. So I'm kind of waiting for them to determine whether or not they're going to put it back up. And um, what is that? It's about um, it's about this woman who they're at the beach one day. It's like a normal day, and then she just up and stabs this dude, and then it all becomes <laughs> about like, okay, like is she broken? Like is her brain broken? Like what's wrong with her? Or is there actually something going on? Like maybe they actually knew each other, and they're not okay. like, telling us what's going on. Uh, so it's like this whole big thing about this one event and kind gotcha. of the things that lead up to it. Um, so it seemed it seemed interesting, and I was like in the mindset to watch it right after having seen Mindhunter. But um, yeah, currently cannot watch it. Uh, <laughs> Kara and I watched the first two episodes of Punisher, and then she fell asleep, so I couldn't keep watching it. Um, yeah. Isn't that always the way, though? 
Um, <laughs> it's good so far. I like it so cool. far. I think it's a strong. How many it episodes is start. it? I don't know. I did not look. Okay. Um, yeah, I definitely. I that's at the top of my list. I just I don't watch that much TV by myself anymore, and because Kelly is not super interested in the Marvel stuff, so I definitely need to find time for it. Yeah, and like even just in the first episode alone. Like, they do a really good job of making you hate this group of characters, and then mm-hmm. he just messes them up. <laughs> and you're, you're like, the, the first time anyone gives uh, Frank, like, a sideways glance, I'm sitting there on the couch just like, fuck him up! <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and the show does not disappoint. That's um, cool. I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, I've been reading some stuff, so I finally finished In Cold Blood by Joe Abercrombie. That's one of those offshoot novels of a trilogy he had already released that I'd read. Um, right. and I, f- and I got the new Stormlight Archives book by Brandon Sanderson, the, the third book in that series. It is 1,230 pages, and I could not be more Hell excited. yeah. So I just, <laughs> I just started that, like I did the prologue in a couple chapters before the show last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so ready to dive back into it. Um, and another cool thing about Brandon Sanderson's books is that they all take place in the same universe called, he calls it the Cosmere. Um, right. And so there are every once in a while you'll have illusions, like very vague too. like, you have to be hardcore to pick up, pick up on them, but very vague allusions to characters from other books or like, mm-hmm something is a clear influence of something that had happened in another book. Um, kind of like the universe, um, uh, kind of like this very long distance butterfly effect, uh, which is kind of neat. Um, so I've been just started that super excited. And then obviously I was just kind of mostly busy with the play and trying to make that happen. Sure. I actually, because I've been trying to think of like, Christmas gift ideas because we're having our Christmas in a week at Thanksgiving. Um, And so I've been trying to think of like, what the hell do I want? And there's some video games I want, but that's just not super exciting. And I would buy them for myself anyway. And I'm just terrible at finding gifts, like what I want as gifts. I always think of really good ideas after Christmas. Um, But I was like, you know what? I never read anymore. I'm going to, I want some fucking books. And so I actually took a lot of inspiration from stuff that you've read. So Prince of Thorns trilogy was like yeah. the big one that I wanted just cause it's only three books. And so it's not a huge investment, but I was doing a lot too. of research on uh, Brandon Sanderson stuff as well. And the Cosmere and how all that works and where I should start. Oh, so if you want to dive I have in some Sanderson books, dive yeah. in, buddy. <laughs> Head first. so we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully I get uh, something, um, I, I would rather get like the Prince of Thieves or what did it not Prince, Prince of, of Thorns. What? Yeah. Yes. I said it right the first time and then I forgot Prince <laughs> of Thorns just because it's only three books and it would be sure. much easier for me to, to, to yeah, dive into it's, the, it's the expanded fantasy books. Yeah. But dude, you got to read these Brandon Sanderson books so we can talk about them. <laughs> oh, uh, this podcast so is going to get so much nerdier than it already is. <laughs> if we start talking about <laughs> fantasy books. Um, but I guess before we move into news, so Kelly and I, we actually did start watching Mindhunter uh, okay. just last night. Um, I was quite annoyed at her. I have to go on a little mini rant. I love my <laughs> wife to death, but I have to go on a little rant. So we were talking about like, because we just finished The Leftovers, and we were like, thank God that shit's over with. Let's move on to something exciting. Sure. And I knew she really wanted to watch Mindhunter because she loves the murder mystery stuff, and she listens to all those murder podcasts and thinks that I'm going to snap and strangle her one night because she's like going crazy thinking about murderers. But uh, 
I was like, yeah, I'll watch Mindhunter, but there's a bunch of other things that I would also like to watch. And so she's like, okay, go through HBO, go through Hulu, go through Netflix, everything else, and see what is there that you want to watch. So I made all my extensive lists, because I love making lists, of like 80 different shows. (laughs) And I was fully prepared to like, okay, this is what this one is, this is what this one is. Because like, we watched the first season of The Path, which was on Hulu, um, starring uh, Aaron Paul. Uh, it was basically like the concept. It's um, like a cult. He's in this cult and he's trying to get out and like he's trying to convince his wife to get out. It okay. was a really cool concept. The first season wasn't amazing, but the second season's out. And so we're like, oh, we should watch that. I also really want to watch Glow, the Netflix original that's about like the female wrestlers starring Allison Brie. I really want to watch that. So I make this huge extensive list. I'm prepping to go through and tell her what each show is and who's in it so she can kind of figure it out. And right as I'm about to be like, okay, so this show, she goes, honestly, can we just watch Mindhunter? And I was like, are you fucking serious? I spent the last <laughs> half hour looking up all these shows, and you just want to watch Mindhunter. She's like, no, okay, go ahead. Tell me about the shows. And I was like, dude, no, because now I don't want to spend another half hour explaining them to you when at the end you're just going to be like, no, I just would rather watch Mindhunter. So we watched Mindhunter. I'm enjoying it. I think the main dude is terrible. The main He's, actor. I could take him or leave him. So I was surprised because I was doing a little research afterward because I was like, where the fuck did this dude come from? He's a famous Broadway. Yeah, Yeah, he's a former Tony nominee for Spring Awakening, one of the greatest musicals of all time. He was in Frozen. Like, he he played Kristoff in Frozen. Like, he's a very successful Broadway, you know, singer-actor. But clearly something did not transition to acting on film because he is boring as shit. He's just very small. Like, all of his choices and his moments are small. And so he just gets dominated by every other character that he's in. Which, considering the concept of the show in that he's investigating... Like, it's basically the creation of serial killers. And, like, how we think about serial killers. Because, you know, in the 70s, that didn't exist. Nobody thought of them in that way. Right. And so, from that perspective, as he's interviewing these people, I get that. Because they're the ones that are dominating the scene and, like, being super intense and talking about the mentality of what it's like to murder another human being, several human beings. And so from that perspective, I understand. But he just isn't interesting as a character. And so I don't know if it's just the actor, if it's the writing, if that was done on purpose. But whatever it is, it doesn't work. And, it like, I'm enjoying the show in spite of him. And that bums me out. Sure. Um, yeah, I would say he's probably my least favorite part about the show. But yeah. it is like I I warmed up to him after a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um okay. and I I got used to yeah. what he was doing or maybe he got better, I don't know. Um but yeah, I think like that show has so many strong people in it that even if sure. you're not into one of them, it's not going to ruin your day. Yeah, and we're three episodes in, and, I mean, the main murderer that they've been talking to, whatever, Kemper's his last name, that dude is brilliant He's and fascinating. He's so good. Uh, and he I looks really like, just like the actual Ed Kemper. Right. Like, holy uh, crap. The, the, I, you call him a sidekick, but he isn't. He's more of the mentor character, like the older detective cop. He's right. also really good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just the main guy. I don't know, man. It, it bums me out. Like, I don't know. Um. But ironically, here's another great segue for you. That dude that plays the older cop is in the first scene of Justice League, which I just oh, saw really? this morning. Oh, yes. weird. 
Yeah, it's very small role, but uh, I was like, like in the first minute of the movie, I was like, wait, is that that dude? We were just watching this last night. <laughs> so yeah, so I saw Justice League this morning. Um, mm-hmm. My best brief review of it is it is better than Batman versus Superman. That's not, that doesn't mean much. Yeah, but that's kind of all I've got. (laughs) It's like, okay, and honestly, that does make it sound maybe worse than what it really is because the movie isn't terrible. Like, Batman vs. Superman is a terrible movie. Suicide Squad was a terrible movie. This is not a terrible movie, but it's not good. Its best aspects are average at best, and it has a lot of things about it that are quite bad. Um, So the way it's kind of structured is very like Suicide Squad or like the beginning of Rogue One, where it spends way too much time introducing you to these characters that have no connection to one another. And it's just a really bad storytelling perspective to dump all this information about these characters on you when there's no actual there's no story yet it's just like here are these characters and where they currently are you have no idea what is building to why you need to care about these people other than the fact that they're dc superheroes and so that was just just really sloppy just really sloppy off the bat um i'll also say that the new characters that they add aquaman cyborg and flash I hate all of them. I hate all three of those characters for different reasons. So, I mean, it it's... If you look at the trailers, those characters are what you would... Like, worst case scenario, what you would think from the trailers. So, Cyborg basically isn't a character at all. He's a plot device. He has zero personality. He has all this confliction about the technological side of him versus the human side. Actually, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have conflict. He's supposed to, but he doesn't because he has no character development. (laughs) Um, Aquaman is annoying as shit. He's a complete bro, and it's terrible and painful to watch. Flash is the kind of comic relief, but Ezra Miller is fucking atrocious with his comic timing and how he delivers his lines. Like, I watched, you know, watching the movie, there are 15 bits, I'll say, of, like, comedic relief. And he just executes them really poorly. The timing is bad. The way he delivers his lines are bad. He just isn't funny. And, like, he's supposed to be awkward and weird and, like, antisocial. And it, I just don't buy any of it. Like, he, it's like watching uh, the dude that played Lex Luthor in BVS, Jesse Eisenberg. It's like mm. he's playing at something. He doesn't Ugh. seem like a real person at all. He's just, like, p- throwing throwing bits and jokes at the wall and hopes that something will stick and it doesn't. Uh it's it's a bad movie. Like I don't know what to tell you. It's it's a bad movie. It's it's like the action is better than it was in BVS because there's more of it. It's so it's still just CGI bullshit most of the time. Um it's not funny. There's one really funny moment that happens between I mean I guess this is technically a spoiler, but it isn't. It's between Flash and Superman because Superman comes back to life. Like everyone fucking knew he was going to. Uh, and the way that it's done is completely contrived and ridiculous and makes no sense. The whole story is like, because Steppenwolf is the villain of this. And he is a servant of Darkseid who will be the villain in the next Justice League, I'm assuming. And so he's tracking down the three mother boxes, which are from 
Darkseid's world. And when combined, they unleash the superpower to, like, destroy the planet. So Steppenwolf's trying to get the three boxes. One of them is with the uh, Amazons. One of them's with the Atlantans. And one of them's with the humans. And Cyborg was created with the power of the mother box that the humans were using. So he can, like, tap into the mother box technology but it's never explained how he doesn't even fucking understand how it's all outside of his control and he just does science to make things happen he's like oh i'll just i will hack into the batmobile and drive it because i magically know how to do that it is just like there's no effort to explain anything that's happening shit just happens like the, the things in the movie just happen it goes from step a to b to c there's no through line no connection no explanation and so you're just kind of watching it like like what am i supposed to care about why does this matter what does this have to do with this other thing the movie's a complete fucking mess surprise surprise a Zack snyder movie is all style and zero substance fuck Zack snyder I would rather watch a Michael Bay movie than I would rather watch a Zack Snyder movie. So, one thing... (laughs) So, one thing that I will say, which, uh, for people listening, obviously, I don't recommend seeing Justice League. But if you're listening, like, oh, Shay's a really critical person. He maybe cares about stuff that I don't care so much about. Like, yeah, it's a stupid popcorn movie, but maybe I want that. So, let me give you some perspective. So... I'm sitting in my seat, and I went by myself because Kelly didn't even want to go to see it with me. So I'm there by myself. Uh, Next to me sits uh, an older man and woman. They're probably late 40s. Before I go into this, I am making no judgment about these human beings in particular, purely what they represent to America as a society. So trailers start playing. They show a trailer for the new Jumanji movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Kevin Hart, and Jack Black and whatever. Yeah, that's a movie. Whatever. So that movie looks fucking terrible. Yeah. In every single way. They are losing their minds laughing at this trailer. Like slapping their legs, laughing, hooting at the end. And after the trailer, she leans over and she's like, we're seeing that. <laughs> then they then they show a trailer for Rampage, another Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie coming out that we will talk about in a little bit in more detail. Uh, but it's basically it's a monster movie with big explosions from the director that brought you San Andreas. <laughs> so you know you're gonna get some quality there. They are losing their shit over that movie. And as Justice League ended, and I'm sighing with my head in my hands, they're going on and on about how much they loved it. So, if you think Jumanji looks good, you might enjoy Justice League. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. <laughs> oh, man. So right, well, I feel like yep. the whole last ten minutes was really on brand for you. <laughs> You're not wrong. But, like, what am I going to do? It's fucking bad. I'm not going to blow smoke and pretend it's good when it isn't. Give me, give me yes. three... Give me three things that were passable about the movie. So, okay, yes. So there is one that one funny moment that I'm referencing. I don't want to spoil it because it is a fun one moment. funny moment. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I'm gonna kind of cheat because it's two. It's two moments specifically. More one of it's more of an idea than it is a moment. But this specific moment, if you read Flash and Superman, like if you know the relationship between Flash and Superman in the comics this will be more enjoyable for you. And so there are two moments about that. 
one of which is just a funny joke moment and the other one is one of the stingers which is fun again Ezra Miller I don't enjoy the way that he acts and I don't think he is funny or charming or cute in any interesting way but the scene is fun so there's two let me think about a third one because nothing is coming to mind. <laughs> I, I may have, I mean, let's see if I can think of one before the end of the podcast because I don't want to waste okay. time. But to be honest with you, I can't think of another moment that I was like, yeah, I can't think of one. Like, it, um, were there any, like, how was the fighting? Was the fighting shot pretty well, at least? Because like that that's something that can really go wrong in these kind of like big group action movies is like you if they're not shot well, you don't get a sense of how everything is happening and how it all pieces together in the fights. Okay. How so is there that? is one good one. There is one good one. So the main fighting with our superheroes, I don't think is good. Uh, there's one big fight scene with them where they've just come together as a team for the first time. And it is appropriately disparate. Like, they don't really work together, which is, it's, that makes sense. Yeah. But the fighting, the choreography isn't particularly spectacular. And then there's the end fight scene where they kind of team up a little bit more. A lot of that you saw in the trailers with, like, Aquaman flying in the air, killing the parademons. Yeah. You know, Batman driving the Batmobile and blowing shit up. All of that felt fairly low stakes because it's all just CG. But there was one fighting moment where Steppenwolf is searching for the mother boxes. And so he goes to try to get the mother box from the Amazons. And so there's a fight scene with him and the Amazons. And Wonder Woman's not there, but it's the other Amazons, like Wonder Woman's mom and all the other women. And that scene was cool. Okay. Because that it's 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 more in a more confined space, and so it's the women fighting against the parademons and trying to fight against Steppenwolf, and he's completely tearing them to shit. And that was like appropriately intense. Um, and there's a big like chase scene that happens. I don't want to like go into too much detail about it because that that scene was cool. I'll say that much. Okay. All right. Yeah. So there. There's, there's your third. Right, there's, the there's your third. Okay. Yikes. I Ouch. could go on and on about other smaller details that piss me off about this oh, movie, but I'll save can. that for my review. Okay. I'll save that for my review. Uh, ShayHatesEverything.com. Uh, so, yeah. It'll either become an uh, – it, it will already be posted or will be posted the day everybody is listening to this on Monday. So keep your eyes out. It probably won't get a great score. <laughs> uh, so moving into news, I guess let's talk about the trailers first because we kind of talked about Rampage already. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rampage is an old video game series. Uh, I think we realized that it was on PS2. I think it was also on PS1. I don't really remember. Maybe Dreamcast era. But uh, basically, like, you play it as these different monsters. It was a side-scroller. You're up on these buildings, and you're just destroying shit going on a rampage. And so, for whatever the fuck reason, I guess because society is collapsing, uh, they're making a movie out of that. So, it's basically King Kong. Like, there's, yeah. there's an ape who's an albino gorilla that The Rock's best buds with, and he gets infected by something, and it makes him giant. And there's also a wolf that gets giant, I guess a crocodile that's giant, and they destroy shit. And that's the movie Rampage. It looks bad. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What other trailers did we see? Incredibles 2. Yeah, so this was more of a teaser, right? Yeah. It was like a, just a 50-second kind of a thing. Yeah. 
Um, I guess it's going to focus on the baby and how it's developing lots of different kinds of powers. I guess just going from the trailer, apparently this picks up right after the first one because it's still like a baby. It. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was like the weird thing for me was watching this new Incredibles content like that takes place immediately after the first one which how long has it been since the first incredibles came out a long time it was like early 2000s i think yeah like like 12 years now something like right. 11 12 years something crazy um so it was like weird to see those characters be the same especially the baby because it's like it's been yeah. 12 years and the baby be looking junior high or something yeah. um yeah so that was just a little there was a little disconnect there, but yeah, I and, mean, it's a cute little teaser. And I mean, I, I really like the Incredibles. I think it's yeah. one of the more underrated Pixar movies. I will say that kind of taken, if you take the average of Pixar movies, the quality has kind of gone down in recent years. Like I really liked, um, wait, Zootopia wasn't Pixar, was it? So I guess I can't count that. I think that was just Disney. I don't remember for sure. Uh, um, but, uh, because, like, Moana, that wasn't Pixar either. That was just Disney. But uh, a lot of the recent ones, like, I really didn't like Finding Dory. Um, Cars 3 I haven't seen, but I heard it didn't really set the world on fire. Um, so, I don't know. Like, Good Dinosaur wasn't that good. So, a lot of their movies, like, they're like not good hitting dinosaur? that same pinnacle. No. Man. No. Like, it's not, it's not bad. I I, the, I wouldn't say that any Pixar movie is actively bad, except maybe sure. Brave. Brave was pretty bad. Uh, okay. But, like, I just mean, like, hitting that pinnacle of quality of, you know, Wally and Up and even way back, you know, Toy Story. Uh, nothing recently has hit that. So I'm a little worried about Incredibles 2, but I'm certainly going to watch it. Like, I'm still excited to see it. Yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of the first one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then we also got a new trailer for Deadpool 2, which, like, is it's not really a trailer. It's just, it's more yeah. like a sketch. It's like a bit that was funny, but maybe went on a little too long. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to feel about that trailer. It felt kind of pointless. Well, it, yeah, it was like a, they had this funny idea that they then, like, like put split seconds of footage from the movie in mm -hmm. at, at periodic mm -hmm. intervals i don't know like, and none of that kind of funny i guess yeah it was it was funny I, again i feel like it maybe went on a bit too long but like yeah. for anybody that hasn't seen it you should see it if you're interested but it's basically deadpool as bob ross yeah uh like paint doing paintings and making funny jokes about the paintings and colors and that kind of stuff so like yeah. all of that was definitely enjoyable but it's certainly not a trailer for the movie sure so i don't know Obviously, I'm still super excited for Deadpool 2. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, it should be good. It didn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what else have we got here? So, sticking in the world of film, I guess. So, there have been rumors recently about uh, Disney potentially buying parts of 21st Century Fox, which I thought was, like, really fascinating. And obviously, as a comic book fan... This would entail them acquiring the X Men franchise, which and would be super cool. Does Fox have Spider Man too, or is that Sony, Sony? has Spider Man? Sony has Spider Man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and obviously Marvel has already licensed the rights to Spider Man. They co-produced Spider Man Homecoming. Obviously, Spider Man was in Civil War, so they've already reached an agreement. There's been no such agreement between Disney and Fox for the X Men, uh, and they're 
you know, Fox is doing their own shit with the X-Men franchise. And I use the word shit literally. Uh, so this, like as a comic book fan, this would certainly be cool to bring X-Men back into the fold. That's not why they're doing this as Disney. It's a cool part of it, but primarily what they're trying, they're looking to do is just bring on all of the TV production and kind of film assets they have due to kind of, uh, television law. I'm using law very loosely here. But Disney would not be allowed to purchase and and run Fox Network because they they currently run ABC and they can't run two competing networks like that. Okay. So this sale would involve cable networks like FX, Nat Geo, and Fox would really focus on news and sports because obviously they're super big and football season, et cetera, and Fox News is big news outlet. Uh it's certainly not a done deal. There have just been talks, uh, and apparently there hasn't been a ton of movement on it lately. But I, I just thought that this would be a really interesting thing, and yeah. Disney becoming an even bigger giant in film and television than they already are. Uh, it's but crazy. it also, it also makes sense from Fox's perspective because. Their stuff hasn't been setting the world on fire for quite a sure. while now. Much like Sony Pictures, like Sony has not been doing well with their movies, which is part of why they wanted to partner with Marvel on the Spider-Man to kind of bring some of that cachet back. So, curious to see how that development continues and really if there's any development. This sort of thing, I think these kinds of talks happen more often than we hear about, but the deals don't usually happen, which is why we don't hear about them. So sure. I would tend to believe that that's the direction this will go and that nothing will actually happen. But purely from a fanboy perspective, it would be awesome to have X-Men and Fantastic Four back under the Marvel umbrella. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be really nice. That way they wouldn't have to say shit like metahuman and all this other weird yeah. crap. Inhuman. Inhuman, yeah. Um, So Amazon has been in the news as well for two separate pieces. So first, which is more of the experimental piece, they want to start experimenting with a freemium version of their streaming platform, their Amazon Prime streaming, um, which would be supported by ads. This is interesting to me because Hulu already does this. Like You pay for Hulu, but they have ads. And you can pay more to remove the ads, which... I don't like, like, I'm not a fan of that business model. It seems kind of shitty. But Amazon's is different, obviously, because you only get access to this with Amazon Prime. So this would be a way of letting people that aren't Amazon Prime subscribers get access to Amazon's streaming content, their movies, their original shows, that kind of thing, and have it supported, excuse me, by ads so that you're not paying up front. This would also open the door for an additional other, like, an additional means of revenue other than it only being Amazon prime. Cause like I could see them potentially in the future having a freemium version with ads, a paid version without ads. And then if you are an Amazon prime subscriber, you get some special additional thing. So sure. kind of experimenting with tiers of subscriptions, which I think is interesting for them to do. I guess this freemium version to start will primarily be kids programming and like lifestyle shows. So like cooking, travel, homemaking, that kind of, that kind of thing, which also makes sense because those are like the casual types of shows that people might get invested in a platform but not be willing to pay for, if that right. makes sense. yeah. Good door opener kind of thing. Like, yeah. hey, if they have HGTV that you can watch for free with ads, like, yeah, sure. My, I'm sure my wife would love to do that. Uh, additionally, they are currently in the works for a Lord of the Rings TV show, which is 
crazy to me. Yeah. I feel like the Lord of the Rings ship has sailed, but I guess in, in Amazon's mind, and they've come out and said this, this is them going after the Game of Thrones. Uh, right. So, like, they don't have their own show. And Netflix has several of its own. Like, it tried to do Marco Polo. It has a new show. Marco Polo was it's good. Just called, I know you liked it. I watched it. I did not enjoy it. But they have a new one called The Kingdom, I think, that's had its first season. Uh, so they're trying to tap into that kind of, like, high fantasy drama, kind of sexy whatever attitude that Game of Thrones has certainly uh, exploded about. Yeah. Um, and so this would be a prequel. Part of the development plan includes spinoff shows, which doesn't mean that they would happen, but interesting to note that, like, they want this to be a big, big thing. Right. Which makes sense because apparently they also played a shit ton of money to acquire the rights for Lord of the yes. Rings, too. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like, what, what, was like what two, do you like think? Because quarter billion dollars, like $250 million. Yeah, I think I saw it was like, like $200 million, but I don't know if that was confirmed or not. I think that was like the estimated worth. I don't okay. know that they came out and said specifically, but it was a lot of money one way or the other. Amazon has money to burn, obviously, well, sure. but still a lot to invest. Um, so I don't know. Like, what do you? F- how do you feel about this? Like, I know you're with me where like the Hobbit trilogy was not mm, so great, and I was kind of ready to put Lord of the Rings to, to bed. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm open to it. Like, yeah, I, I'm not like, oh, this is the greatest news I've heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this is. I know how these things can go. Um, yeah. And certain properties, if not handled correctly, don't always lend themselves to different formats. Um, so I guess we'll see. Like, it, it, they could have an amazing show or it could right. be a pile of shit. Like, fan service you know, surface-level crap. Uh, without having any details on it, I would never commit to saying, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to watch it, you know? Right. And I'll say, um, I mean, I'm like, I'm right there with you. There, We don't know enough to know one way or the other. I will say that going from what's been said about this and the reason they're doing it, my fear is that they will try to shoehorn a lot of that HBO style into this. To compete with, like, because obviously Game of Thrones is has the nudity and the ultra violence and political intrigue and all that kind of thing. It's kind of what makes that show popular. Sure, that stuff isn't really Lord of the Rings. Like Lord right. of the Rings is a very somewhat it's, straightforward good versus evil story. So I don't know. It, it's like, about, that, like that would be adventure. my big concern. It's not necessarily yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones is so political and it, you know it's mm-hmm. about the, like, the people. Lord of the Rings is about the locations, the adventure, the journey, and you know, mm-hmm. to a lesser degree, the people still, you know, like the internal mm-hmm. conflicts and stuff, but very much about you know the action and adventure part of it. So, like, yeah. if that spirit carries over into the show and it's different enough from something like a Game of Thrones, I think that could be a good thing. But yeah, I, I would, I would wonder how much. I don't know. I guess like like how much latitude they're gonna have, because like there's no nudity in Lord of the Rings. Like that that right, does exactly. not exist. So like, are they gonna be allowed to even do that? Really? Yeah. Like that's my what, thing. What do, like, like, what does that do to the overall Lord of the Rings brand to mm-hmm. introduce that type of content into it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, for me, and I feel like this is very indicative of the way 
producers think, which I don't think is from a creative perspective, but this feels, and not just feels, but going from what they have said about it, this is them going after that Game of Thrones money. Yeah. This isn't them saying, let's make the best Lord of the Rings show we can. It is, we're missed, like, there's some white space, to use a business perspective, or I guess green space that we're missing out on. Sure. We need to get some of that, that Game of Thrones money. And I don't think that that leads to the best creative project possible. No, it does not. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Like, if it's cool, I would absolutely love to watch a Lord of the Rings show. Yeah. Uh, but I certainly don't want it to exist at the expense of what makes Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings. Right. So, same. More to come. This is not something that would air until like 2020 at the earliest anyway. Right. So, I'm sure we got a, quite a while. So, um, moving to the world of video games, how about you tell me about CG Project Red? Because there's been some news about them. Yeah, recently. so people are all up in arms about the microtransaction things, which we'll talk about all that crap later. Um, oh boy, yes we will. But uh, CD, uh, some person tweeted at like CD Project Red, like, hey, um, they're considering games as a service for Cyberpunk 2077, which is their next game, as part of their mm-hmm. drive to make it more commercially significant. Um, was their tweet, and then it links to some video of presumably some idiot talking about shit he doesn't know shit about. So CD Projekt Red Twitter like responded to them like, "Worry not, when thinking of CG Project uh, or Cyberpunk 2077, think nothing less than The Witcher 3. Huge single player, open world, story driven RPG. No hidden catch. You get what you pay for. No bullshit. Just honest gaming like with Wild Hunt. We leave <laughs> greed to others." is how they ended their tweet, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. Throwing um, some shade. Yeah, some pretty serious shade. But um yeah, I don't I don't know. I like that's like a weird I don't I mm. <laughs> microtransactions I okay. I I don't like how reductive that statement was about leaving the greed to others because there are some legitimate benefits to having microtransactions in your title right in terms of long-term development and like game as a service keep your user base uh like keeping your user base on one product for an extended period of time um like community engagement that kind of stuff um so I'm not all, but I understand, I at least I appreciate their sentiment in saying that, no, like, we're just looking to do a nice, like, a a deep open world single player RPG experience. Like, that's mm-hmm. all we're looking to make. No bullshit. Um, I just, they didn't need to throw that shade there at the end. <laughs> so I'll say for me. And I agree with you on microtransactions because there are cases where they're non-intrusive and certainly do help future development. For me, it's all about implementation. Yeah. And so, I mean, since we're already diving into this, we might as well start talking about Battlefront 2 because that's like the big news that's been happening in a couple weeks. Okay. And I'm nervous and excited to talk to you about it because we're coming at it from a bit of different perspectives. But because it's my fucking podcast... Battlefront 2 is the hate of the week. So let's talk about the hate of the week. Hate of the week. So, let's look back a little bit at the... Because this is, like, regardless of how you feel about it, this has been a shit show. Like, from both sides. 
And we talked about this a little bit last week when the beta was happening and how people were reacting to the progression system and the microtransactions in the Battlefront 2 beta. So, let me kind of set the stage and then I'll go to you, Kyle, and we can kind of talk about it a little bit better. But to give people listening some perspective. So, in the beta, the feedback that they got, very aggressive feedback, was that it took way too long to unlock stuff and if you were playing the game and it felt like the progression system was designed to encourage people to spend real money to unlock things and on top of that that real money that they were spending was to unlock random loot crates so it's not even like i want this gun attachment i want to spend 50 cents on it it's I need to spend $4 to unlock a loot crate that I have a 2% chance of getting that gun attachment from. I might get an attachment for a gun I don't use. I might get a different gun. I might get a fucking emote for a character I don't play. Like, you have no idea to honor... You have no means of knowing what you're going to get in there. And so both of those things combined was like, this is terrible. So EA came back and said, all right, we're going to rethink how we have the microtransactions structured. So... People have been complaining that it takes too long, or the, the, the loot crates cost too much in-game currency. So we're going to lower the currency that you need to spend to unlock the loot crates. That's our fix. And so people were like, okay, they're listening, like that's positive. And then people started doing some digging, and as part of that update, they not only lowered the amount that you had to spend to get a loot crate, they also lowered the amount that you got in rewards. So, yes, the loot crates cost less, but you're also earning less. So that progression isn't really changing. And so people are like, okay, double fuck you, EA. Fuck you, number one, for not really fixing the problem. And fuck you, number two, for saying that you fixed it and manipulating the situation so that you could get the headlines of, like, EA listens to fans from Backlash, changes system, when you actually didn't. So then EA said, okay, fucking hit the stop button. Microtransactions are canceled for now. And so that was like even more of a shit show because they then they're getting all this, you know, what would be considered positive press of, you know, the microtransactions were the biggest reason people didn't want to buy the game. The uh, microtransactions don't exist anymore, but they're going to in the future. And they haven't said clearly how they're going to re-implement, what kind of system it's going to look like, how if they're going to change the price, if they're going to change how many things you earn. They just said, like, we're this is on hold, quote-unquote, indefinitely. But they, they have confirmed that they are bringing this back. They may change their mind and decide, you know, we're not going to bring it back at all. But where we are right now, they plan on bringing it back. Which is so fucking shady for a company to do this twice now. Because here's, like... From a, from this this is why they did this. This isn't an opinion. This is fucking why they did this, so that they could get positive press, so that the story would change from gamers are complaining about microtransactions to publisher removes microtransactions from listening to gamers. So now all the people complaining about microtransactions will say, okay, they listen to us. They're changing stuff. I'll go ahead and go buy it. I'll go ahead and go buy the game. So that their sales numbers don't look bad up front. And then when they reintroduce microtransactions, they'll already have gotten those kids invested. So then they'll say, be like, oh, well, I wasn't going to buy it because of microtransactions. But now I've put 20 hours. There's this one attachment I want. I'll go, fine, I'll just, I'll pay 10 bucks to try to get that attachment. It's like double, triple, quadruple amounts of shady. 
So that's where I'm coming from on this specific example. So in the Giant Bomb group, there have been a lot of lots of discussion about this in particular. And Kyle, you tend to come down on the side of like not defending this necessarily, but like it doesn't seem to bother you. So can I ask like your perspective on this? Yeah, I think like I don't like I don't I had so much going on like with the play and my personal life and stuff. I just I didn't have it in me to get really worked up over it. <laughs> sure. Um yes, it's shitty. Like I'm not going to defend what they did, but like at the mm-hmm. end of the day making games is hard <laughs> to coin a Vinny Caravella phrase. Oh boy. And also like I'm not willing to just say like fuck EA or fuck dice or whoever because this is probably an issue of someone at the top making a business decision and so like the the thing that annoy the thing that annoys me is like when you boycott games and you do stuff like that like you're affecting everybody that worked on that game and you're affecting like their livelihood and so like i don't know i guess I don't, I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I guess just, like, I don't... Honestly, I'm not sure why this doesn't... I feel like maybe, yeah, it should probably bother me a lot. Because they were being dishonest and they were being shitty. I I, guess, I don't know why it just doesn't bother me. Like, I still want to buy the game and play it and enjoy it. And, like, it's... I guess because in my mind I've already committed to buying it. Because I do want to play it and experience it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's Star Wars, it's really pretty, there's a campaign that, you know, people are Mm -hmm. down on, but that could just be a side effect of the fact that everyone's complaining about the game in general. So, like, Mm -hmm. I don't don't trust what anyone has to say about the game because of all the negative press. So, like, I want to see it for myself. I've already committed to doing that. So, it's like, why, why get worked up over this stuff, you know? Yeah, and I guess, I mean, I have several reactions to that. So, first, addressing the point about this is someone up at EA making this decision. Totally agree with that. I, I am in no way implicating developers at DICE for wanting to implement microtransactions in their game. Right. Zero belief that that's where that comes from. Yeah. But the point about, like, this is affecting, the, like, if someone doesn't buy this game, this potentially affects jobs at DICE. Like, yes, it does. But it's not my responsibility to pay their bills. Like, I'm not going... Like, I see people make this argument all the time of, like, an indie game that comes out and gets really bad reviews. And they're like, well, you should buy it anyway to support indie developers. Fucking no! It's not my job to make someone else have a job. If they're bad at it, they don't deserve to do it. And I'm not saying that the developers at DICE are bad. But my thing is, like, it's not my responsibility to give them my $60 so that they can make Battlefront 3 with the same shit. It's not like this money that this game's going to make zero money, but if it sells 7 million copies compared to 12 million copies, they're still going to make a Battlefront 3, but maybe just maybe they will realize that this issue is the thing that cost them those 5 million sales. And maybe, just maybe, not out of the goodness of their hearts, because the people at EA clearly have no heart, 
But from a business perspective, they will learn that we can't do this because people won't buy our game. That's already what has happened with the microtransactions. When they implemented this, they knew that this is not good for gamers. There is zero scenario where you could say that this progression system is good for the end user because it's not just microtransactions. Let me break down to you how the progression system works in Battlefront 2. So you level up your character, but that doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of like leveling up your character in Call of Duty. You gain access to additional weapons, but you're not like getting more powerful by leveling up. Your character gets more powerful through the acquisition of star cards, which are unlocked through the loot boxes, which are randomized. So I could unlock a hundred loot boxes and not get a single thing that improves my character the way I want to improve them. Someone else could unlock one loot box that gets them the best improvement for their character. That is a bad system. Making your progression about randomization is a bad system. Even if nobody is spending money on this. The fact that people are and can spend money on this only makes it that much fucking worse. Because then you have me who didn't spend a dime and I unlocked 100 boxes, didn't get the thing I want. You have guy B who didn't spend a dime, unlocked one box, got the thing that he wanted. Then you have guy C who spends 20 bucks, unlocks 600 loot boxes, and gets all the shit that he wants. So not only is it random if I'm going to get what I want or not, but somebody that is going to spend money gets an advantage over me. Thus the term pay to win. Someone that pays more than me has a leg up. That's fucked. This isn't a free-to-play game. I'm spending $60 on this game. Why would you gate additional stuff behind a paywall? Because it's not like it's DLC. It's not like it's additional maps, additional characters. It is stuff intrinsic to the experience of being able to keep up with people. IGN put up a video where they spent $100 on loot boxes. And they got the best fucking gear that you can get. There's like a top tier Y-Wing ship. Like a gold card that you can get. That's like, if you get that, you, you fucking destroy everything. It's clearly balanced to make people want to spend money because that's the only way you're going to get the best stuff because in the IGN review, they walked through the actual progression of unlocking loot boxes. So a traditional match takes five to 15 minutes. In a traditional match, you will earn one to 400 credits. The lowest tier loot box where you're getting the most common gear. You're not getting the awesome gear, but just the common gear costs 4,000 credits. I did the math. At the at playing a match at the fastest rate, playing at the best rate to earn the most amount of credits, you're unlocking one lowest tier loot box an hour. Or you can just spend money and get the lowest tier loot box. Like, I, I didn't even look at what the higher tier loot boxes were, but that's potentially like several hours hours of top tier playing in order to afford one box or you can just drop 399 like that's the system that you're going to put in your game for players to progress fuck that even if they never bring back the ability to buy it with real money how is that fun the only way that you can level up your character is one by grinding for hours and two getting lucky If you're going to make me grind, at least let me spend those credits to unlock the shit I want. But they're not doing that. It's the worst of both worlds. And then you add on top of that, giving players that spend money an advantage. Like, 
this is fucked from so many different directions. So for me, I want to play the single player. But I'm not going to spend $60 to play the single player. I, you know, I might wait a couple of weeks and like get it at Redbox because there, I mean, there are a whole other litany of issues with this game beyond the microtransactions that you're right. Nobody's talking about this game other than the microtransactions, but believe you me, I have a fucking complaint list about the other shit too. The single player mode is like four to five hours long. The campaign that's shorter than a call of duty campaign. How is that acceptable? And so you like, if that's all I wanted to do, I wanted to avoid the multiplayer. You're expecting me to pay $60 for a four to five hour experience. Come on. Beyond that, apparently the story is a complete mess and it's more about teaching you different character classes for the multiplayer. It ends on a cliffhanger where they basically say the ending to this will be in DLC. And it doesn't even answer questions like the main character that they've been highlighting uh, played by the chick from the league, uh, like as the main character, you don't even play as her part of the time. You play as Leia in a, in a level, you play as Lando in a level. So it's more like a Star Wars greatest hits than it's trying to do any actual cohesive story. So like, I don't, like that's not even super interesting. The game looks amazing. It's gorgeous. I fucking love Star Wars to death. I still want to play it, but there's no way I'm spending money on this with the way that it is right now. That's where I'm coming from. I like all of that is valid. I'm not like I'm not going to argue any of those points and like people have the right to be upset and up in arms about it. It's just like it has been overwhelming and I'm sick of being inundated with it everywhere I go online. Um especially because I already know that I'm that I want to get it and play it. So like I don't know. And I'm also not articulating myself properly because I I don't know why. I don't really know why it doesn't bother me as much as it probably should. But I don't know. Like, I've tried to argue and discuss and no one's actually interested in having a real discussion. And, I am. Well, I, I know, I right know you are. But part of the problem is I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So... And, and like, and I'm not sitting here trying, I'm not trying to make you or anyone that is going to play the game or buy the game feel bad. This is purely from me and the way that I'm looking at this. And yeah, dude, like maybe me not buying the game, maybe I'm one of a hundred people that decide not to buy the game and it means nothing. But for me, the way that I look at this, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. I have, you know, I've agreed with a lot of people about a lot of things on the way that the industry is moving, especially with microtransactions and like back when EA was doing the, those online passes that you had to buy to try to uh, cut out used game sales. Like I didn't take a stand during all of that because it's like it's not going to do anything. It's the whole method of like my vote doesn't matter. It's that attitude that people have. And so I'm just going to come along for the ride because my opinion doesn't matter. It's not going to make a difference. And yeah, it might not. Me not buying this game might mean nothing. And all that is lost is me getting to experience a fun Star Wars single player mode. But I'm willing to sacrifice that for the opportunity that maybe something will happen. If enough people are like me and put their foot down, maybe they will change it next time. Or, you know, even at a smaller level, maybe it will make 
EA decide to never bring back the microtransactions. And there's a whole other discussion about that too, which I know it's the side that you're on of like these microtransactions were the reason why they said all the future DLC is free is because they were going to make money with the microtransactions. Right, right. And so there's the yeah, fear that like without that additional model. revenue. Yeah, yeah. It, but I will I will also say that that's not an excuse. Like, that's a bad model, too. If you want to release meaningful DLC that is worth my $15, I will pay $15 for it. Don't nickel and dime me to make me feel like I'm getting it for free, because I'm not. If I can't be as good as the next guy, because I didn't spend an extra 15 bucks, that's so much worse than asking me to spend $15 on DLC. Just make a good fucking game. Tune the game for the players that are paying full price for it. And that's how that's how it should be developed and that's how it should be sold. If it makes sense to have microtransactions that are purely cosmetic, zero issue with that. Because you can engage in that or not. It has no impact on playing the game. But this is the worst case scenario of that. Where it's a full priced retail game that is pay to win. This is the dark future of video games that we've been afraid of for like a decade at this point. And it's happening with one of the biggest releases of the year. And surprise, surprise, coming from the most hated publisher in the industry. (sighs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I I know, you're just sitting there like... I don't know, like again, like I can't argue with anything you're saying because you're right. And, you know, other people are right to be mad and upset. But I'm just, I don't have it in me right now. It's, they caught me on a good week, I guess. And and I hope it's good. The single player, I hope it's good. It, it certainly hasn't been getting the greatest reviews and kind of what I'm hearing about it makes me kind of go, eh. I still want to play it and I will find a way to play it at some point if it's from Redbox or, you know, waiting a couple months and buying it used at GameStop. Like some, but my thing is like, I'm not giving EA my money. That's just the, the, the base of it. And I totally hope that they learn their lesson if not for this game, then for the next one. I totally hope that that happens. I can't say that EA's you know experience would lead me to have hope that that happens, but I still do. And the biggest thing, like I, I hope it's still fun. The people that have played it through like the EA access or whatever, a lot of them still have come back and said like, yes, the microtransactions suck, and yes, sometimes I get killed by someone that it doesn't seem fair because they got a higher level thing that I didn't get from luck or because they paid money or whatever reason and that sucks but the core of it's still fun and like i don't want any video game to be bad that's for sure right yeah me neither certainly certainly a star wars game and i mean part of my frustrations too is like them canceling that you know single player star wars game which i read a big op-ed peed on piece on Kotaku about that that like apparently development wasn't going well it wasn't just purely EA wanting to only do games as a service it seems like that game was having problems of its own but like just the the messaging of like we're going to cancel the single player game and make the multiplayer game like horrible from a user perspective it's not a good look not a good look so let's move on to some emails or i guess facebook messages (laughs) (laughs) so you had two friends reach out so uh how about you break these down uh yeah so one of them i like i just put out kind of a a catch-all on facebook like hey we're recording the podcast a couple days anything you want us to talk about um Mm -hmm. this comes from cj talk about people who drive slowly in the left lane 
<laughs> See, I mean, obviously my, my perspective is a little different being in Atlanta where really I, w- I would guess the only places that have worse traffic than Atlanta would be like downtown LA and downtown New York City. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a problem. <laughs> Drivers just in general are a problem. Um, I'm not like I, I used to be a very fast driver, but because I've gone several years of having no money, I'm always afraid of getting, you know, several hundred dollar speeding ticket. So I've kind of slowed down a little bit on my driving. Um, but I get behind people all the time that have no, let's just, they're on a joyride in that left lane. It's brutal. Yeah, I guess. And Kara has some pretty bad road rage. She's a demon behind the <laughs> Kelly, wheel. Kelly does too, yeah. Yeah, uh, she's cussing up a storm. But for me, like, I just, I don't get mad at people on the road. Like, I refuse to get mad on the road. I don't know, like, I'm, I'm some, you. I'm some weirdo zen person this, yeah. this week. After, <laughs> after last week, I was all, wor- after last episode, I was all worked up. I'm some weird right. zen person now. But yeah, no, but act, like seriously, just in general on the road, I just, I don't get frustrated at people. Like if someone's driving slow in the left lane, I'm behind them until I can get around them. And that's the way it is. That's life. Good for you. Yeah. I wish that I could be that way. Oh, and I still I, get I mad think, at Call I mean, of Duty. <laughs> like I right. will yell and scream at that game. But when yeah. I'm driving, no. <laughs> Kelly and I were talking about this the other day and not to make an excuse about it. Cause it's definitely unhealthy to get so mad when you're driving it's and it's unsafe as well. Right. But we were talking about it and I feel like part of it, at least coming from the Atlanta area, because traffic is so bad, everyone just wants to get home. And so it makes sure. people drive in a really inconsiderate way. Like, no, I don't want to let you in front of me. I, I need, I need that one second of my life back <laughs> to not be on the road. And so people are just, they just, everybody is drives very selfishly. Yeah. And the way that I look at it, that I I've always tried to look at it is I am a defensive driver. I'm not an aggressive driver. I just drive defensively and Kelly drives very offensively. And, um, <laughs> I get worried about her sometimes. So what else? What other uh, message we got? Uh, this one comes from Aaron as kind of a two-part one. So the first part is, what are your earliest childhood gaming memories? Okay. Oh, boy. I mean, we our first console was a Genesis. Yes. And Dad also had an original Game Boy. And then a Game Gear as well, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say, hmm... I mean, I know I played a decent amount of games on Genesis. Honestly, I didn't get hardcore into games until like the PS2 era. Same. But I played a lot on Genesis. When and you and I got the PS2 with Kingdom Hearts, that was like mm-hmm. the beginning of a really good time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know, like earliest, nothing specific jumps into my mind. I guess the most, like the one at top of mind is playing Vector Man on Genesis yeah. and not being able to get past like the second level because it was just hard <laughs> and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And I mean, we played a lot of games on Genesis. Like I love the Aladdin game, which was also crazy fucking hard Jurassic park game. I really liked playing as the Velociraptor kid chameleon. There's another one. Yes. Kid chameleon as well. That, that was, was super really hard, hard too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't the, know. The I mean, I don't have like Ninja any turtles fighting game where you can play as like yes. the triceratops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that game was, was kind of bad. Yeah, uh, Bubsy was also very hard. Also, weird yes. thing, they came out with a new Bubsy game recently. Have you seen that? Right. Yeah. Um, apparently, it's super bad. It's so bad. It's yeah. It so looks bad. bad. I watched some reviews, some video reviews, and it yeah. looks pretty terrible. It's a bad. It's a um, bad game. 
Go figure. I do remember. I do remember watching Dad play a lot of Mario Golf because that was like one I was of the original Game too. Boy games yeah, as well. Original Game Boy. So that that's like when it comes to specific memories, it's like the second level of Vector. It might not have been the second, but there's a level of Vector Man where you're in like the woods and you're trying to jump up these trees. And that's I, Vector I just Man didn't 2. Know, like, that's Vector Man too. Okay, remember sh- you could change colors. Fine. Yes, you could be like yes. the black Vector Man. Right. Yeah. And I just I didn't know how to progress, and so that was super frustrating. And I remember watching Dad play Mario Golf. Those are like the two that popped to my yeah. mind. Yeah, and also I remember watching Dad play uh, Formula One, Formula One on his Game Gear a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then obviously like Pokemon Red and Blue, um, sure on original Game Boy, um, or no, sorry, Game Boy Color. But then uh, Mario and the Six Golden Coins that was an original Game Boy game. Um, I played a okay. lot of that. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, that had like that clockwork toys level, like everything, like all the gears and stuff. Yes, and you're playing like the different parts of this like toy soldier's body or whatever. You're trying yeah, to yeah, up yeah, way up. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, trying to think what else. Um, it's not a oh, first there, there, game there was a, a baseball game. Uh, Bo Jackson. On- Oh, on Game Boy? Original Game Boy. I think it was a it was a combo baseball and football. Yes. Right? Yes, it was. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a first gaming memory, but one of the other ones that pops into my mind very vividly is PS1, the Rugrats game. Oh, man. Which was basically just like a collection of mini games, essentially. Oh, but it was so but good. Like, I remember those... spending a lot of time. Were they, were they puzzle pieces you were trying to get or something? I remember something about puzzle pieces. I don't remember. I have I no think, idea. Yeah, but that was a, that was a great game. Yeah. And they, they well, I don't know that it was a great game, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> um, they had that that putt putt reptar course mm-hmm. you can play. Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, cr- uh, Crash Team Racing, like arguably better than Mario Kart at that time. Sure. I think yeah. I think CTR was a really good racing game, and then like um. I mean, just obviously Crash Bandicoot in general, but the Crash Bash with the party game, uh, with all the different mini games. That. that was PS One. Yeah, yeah, Crash Bash. Hmm. Yeah, we had Crash Bandicoot, CTR, and Crash Bash, all on PS One. Um, yeah, I think I've I've said this before, like when we were talking about favorite games, uh, like in our pilot episode or whatever. But um, Metal Gear Solid, I remember going over to that guy's house with you that friend you had in the neighborhood and you two were, you guys were playing Metal Gear Solid. I wasn't allowed to play it yet, but I went over there and like okay. watched you guys play it. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, this is like the pinnacle of gaming technology. Yeah. It was yeah, for super sure. cool. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. I remember going over to the Broadways in Wisconsin and playing Earthworm Jim on the Genesis. I remember we made this big cardboard box fort in their basement, or their dad did, or something, and we had the Genesis on this little tiny tube TV in the box fort. Nice. And we were playing Earthworm Jim. Um, maybe it was Earthworm Jim Two or something. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, remember that crappy Pac-Man Adventures game on the Genesis? Oh hell yeah, the 3D one. Oh, that, that game was, was fucking hot trash. Oh, it was hot trash. That made me. So I think mom mad. got mom got that because she wanted to play it because she loved original Pac Man. Right, she didn't so she know like wanted that us it was to get into Pac Man, an adventure yeah. game, and not like regular. That game Pac-Man. was really bad. Yeah, that, that game sucked. Um, <laughs> oh, I actually, I think Drew Scanlon played that on his Extra Life stream this year. 
I, I think okay. I recognized some stuff. <laughs> I remember like getting the milk bottle and stuff, and you'd like yeah, try it was to like throw a the collectathon, basically. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to like throw the power pellets at him to like make him go certain. Oh, it was a hot mess. Um, any other ones? Uh, I remember playing all of Metal Gear Solid Three in one go. Like I, well, that's like PS2. Yeah, now. That, yeah, I know that's PS2. Um, all in, in one, in one playthrough, I played Metal Gear Solid Three. Um, sitting in our our living room, uh, mm-hmm. next to the spot where you would, unbeknownst to me at the time, crack the back of my head against the marble corner in front of the uh, fireplace. Oh jeez, it was an accident. <laughs> no. You're fine. You're still here. Just lost a couple brain cells. Yeah, I'm just a little bit dumber. Um, <laughs> yeah, so just early childhood gaming memories. Those are. I don't have a good memory in general, but if I try really hard, I can pick out I can pick out some mm-hmm. moments. Um, I remember Dad was on some business trip sometime, and we were like staying in a hotel, and I had my Game Boy Color, and because um, this was back when you and I only had the one Game Boy Color, so we couldn't like trade each other or anything. And I was okay. I had Pokemon Red. Because you had you played blue, because blue was your favorite color, red was mine. So I was playing red, and this kid was in this little park area right next to the hotel. Um, it was more like a motel, it was like one one story thing. Um, it was like this little park bench with tree and stuff. And this one kid was out there playing his Game Boy, and I went there out there to hang out with him. And he was playing Pokemon. He had green version, mm-hmm. um, and I remember he traded me like a Bulbasaur because I had Charmander. Nice. And he traded me a Bulbasaur, yeah. and I was like. Dude, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that. And he had like Mew because he had been to like one of the events, the Pokemon Trading right. Card Game events, and where he where he got it. Yeah, I remember that too. I don't know. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so the second part of his thing was, uh, what are some shows and films that have had a profound effect on you? Hmm. Um, from a film perspective, I guess, and I think both of these inform the same thing, but I just grew up loving Jim Carrey movies. Like he is, he's the reason I wanted to be an actor and get into that in the first place, just because his whole shtick. And obviously, you know, I was very much a mama's boy and I remember mom always being like, you, you remind me a lot of Jim Carrey. Like you have the same kind of facial manipulation whatever and i don't i don't know what she's talking about but uh i just remember always watching him and being like i want to do that and that was more when i was younger and more recently the one that always jumps to mind is scrubs because that was Mm. when i was like beginning to take acting seriously and thinking about it as a career and so for me that was when it was like this is the kind of thing i want to do a television show that combines comedy and drama so deftly and like can make you laugh one moment and cry the next and not in a manipulative way, but in a very real like character focused way. And uh, that show just holds a very special place in my heart. Cause that's one of those shows that like I would be so proud to have been a part of. Yeah. And also a little bit of a, 
a side thing. Uh, we'll, we'll always be watching early seasons of Scrubs before it got like, because it got like extra slapstick in like season three and on. But in that first season, we'll watch it when it's a little bit more subdued and it's more like character comedy and that kind of thing. Yeah. And especially the pilot. Kelly's always like, you would be amazing as JD, like in the early seasons. She's like, this is a character that I could totally see you play, which to me, like, that's a huge compliment. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> I always think about that too. Yeah. So yeah, those, those are the ones that immediately jump to my mind. What about you? Um, Seinfeld for sure. I mean, in, yeah. like in, informing, like not only like my sense of humor, but also knowledge of various random pop culture things from <laughs> sure. like not my era. Um, yeah. like, so I always growing up had knowledge of things that other kids didn't because of Seinfeld. Um, cause mm-hmm. was, we were always kind of watching it as a show out of its own time a little bit. Um, so uh, definitely Seinfeld. Um, gosh, I mean, Star Wars, like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings yeah. definitely prompted my love of sci-fi and, and high fantasy. Um, I watched a lot of Power Rangers as a kid. I don't know that it really informed a whole lot. <laughs> Had a profound effect yeah, on you. I don't know that Power it informed Rangers. much, but I did watch a lot of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Honestly, probably like those three that I can think of: Seinfeld, Lord of the Rings, and, and Star Wars for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I I would I would be content with only having the Star Wars game or, or Star Wars movies, only having the Lord of the Rings movies, and only having Seinfeld to watch. If I was trapped on a desert island and I had those, I think sure. I'd be okay. Oh, yeah. I say it all the time that I could just watch Seinfeld f- just on repeat from the pilot to the finale just over and over and over again and never stop. And I would never not laugh yeah. at the same jokes I've seen dozens and dozens of yeah. times already. Yeah. The, um, the greatest sitcom of all time, like undisputed. For sure. I, I think that's, um, that is an easy argument to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was fun. Trip down uh, memory lane a little bit there. Yeah, it is weird. Like I was thinking about shows and movies and stuff, is because a lot of people look at it as kind of that escape, which not taking anything away from that, but that's just never how I have felt about it. And I think it's just because of like I love to write that kind of thing and I love to act, and I always look at it a little more. I don't know, self-reflectively, if that's even a word. Sure. Yeah. So a lot of like. The ones that I think about, because there are plenty of shows and movies that I've seen that like I love, but that haven't had that "quote unquote" impact on me. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So uh, um, thanks to you guys for the uh, for the prompts. Yes, and absolutely. If you want to, if you have any other further questions, feel free to obviously reach out to Kyle and I on Facebook. You can send a message to the Shay Hates Everything Facebook page. Or if you are now old-fashioned, you can send an email to info at shayhateseverything.com. That's going to do it for today, but we have to finish with our Today I Don't Hate. So I will say that Today I Don't Hate my fantasy football team because I'm currently <laughs> winning 101 to 70 Ooh. over my dad. Currently projected to win by 60 points. Ouch. I'll have to text dad my condolences later. <laughs> Uh, so my name is Kyle today. I don't hate Thanksgiving break. I get the whole week off. I definitely don't hate that either. Obviously, I don't Oof. get the week off, but Kelly and I are leaving on Wednesday right after work, and hopefully I can get out a little a work a little early. Driving up to Ohio to see you, my brother. Oh, yeah. So super excited for that. We're going to tear it we'll up. We'll be able to uh, 
Hell yeah, dude. I need to play some Switch. Yeah. So I can... Or actually, we should play some Switch with Kelly so I can keep convincing her to let me buy one. Although, she's been supportive. <laughs> she's like, dude, yes, just buy one. Like, stop <laughs> trying to convince me. Just buy it. I'm like, but it's like $500. I'm like, no, just get it. Who cares? <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Kyle, as always, thank you for joining me. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.